I do have a little message that I want to share today. Uh, we are starting a series just for the next two weeks called Let Your Glory Fall. And this is the way that we want to dedicate this space here at Cornerstone. And that phrase is a phrase that shows up in different forms several times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, but it happens in the New Testament as well. In Psalm 57, 5, the psalmist prayed, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all of the earth. Not just one place, but over all of the earth. What's interesting about this particular psalm is it's repeated exactly the way you see it on the screen in verse 11. And then if you were to look up Psalm 108, verse 6, it's the exact same prayer. So this is a special prayer. Anytime you see something in the Bible that's repeated, especially repeated word for word, it has special meaning to people. So like, you know, it meant something to someone, someone else prays it, someone else prays it, that God's glory would fill all of the earth. Now the reason that prayer was prayed over and over again is because of some special events that took place in the Bible that are different from today, but similar in some ways. And one of those events was the dedication of the first Jewish temple in Jerusalem. So if you remember your, your Bible history, uh, there was a movable temple that moved around in the desert called the Tabernacle. But years later, the king named, a king named Solomon was allowed to build God's temple in Jerusalem. And the temple is completed. It took seven years. Um, something like, what was it, 30,000 workers rotated in and out of their day jobs and would come in and work on this thing. But the, the temple is finally done. And there's this amazing scene that takes place both in 1 Kings chapter 8 and it's also recorded in 2 Chronicles 6. And I want to read it today. And then I want to make a connection. So I want to differentiate how that moment's different from our moment, but I want to show you how it's also very, very similar. So 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 2, it says this. Then Solomon, the king, summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the Israelites came together to the king at the time of the festival in the seventh month. So imagine this for a moment. Israel, you know, the people of Israel live all over. They're in the nation. They're beginning to spread out into other places. And they're all summoned to Jerusalem for this one dedication. So imagine the hundreds of caravans coming from different towns, different communities together. They're all traveling together. Uh, men, women, children, there's animals there. And they're moving towards Jerusalem. They're all summoned there. And as they move towards Jerusalem, you, from all directions, you have to climb a, a mountain to get to Jerusalem. So you ascend. And as they ascend, just imagine the scene, the music, the anticipation, the noise, the joy, the chaos, the good chaos that's taking place. And then they make their way into Jerusalem and all of these roads funnel into one of just a few entrances, one of these few gates into the city of Jerusalem. So it's like trying to get into a football game or trying to get into a concert. But people, it's not just there to see their favorite band or to see their favorite, their favorite team. They know that God is going to show up and the best is yet to come. So verse four, it continues. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The Levitical priests carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. So just use your imagination, picture the scene. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark and they covered the ark and its carrying poles. 
These poles were so long that their ends extending from the ark could be seen in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from outside the holy place, and they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there were consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were, who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Judathun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by priests, 120 priests, sounding trumpets. The trumpeteers and the musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to God Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and saying, He is good and his love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their services any longer because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. I mean, just imagine what that would have been like. I wish I could have been there. It was amazing. I mean, all, all this music, the noise, and then all of a sudden it stops when the presence of God shows up. And that's how God's presence works. It changes things. It changes people. The temple was filled with the glory of God. Now, before I make connections to the story, let me uh, make some uh, differentiations between our story and that story. Uh, we are not dedicating the temple of God today. We are not. This is a building that was a temple. The temple back then was the home for God in the world, and that's why it's called holy. Anything in the Bible that's referred to as holy and the temple is referred to as holy is called that because it's been set apart to be a place for God in this world. I mean, that's really the essence of the purpose. The scriptures are holy because it's been set apart to make place for God's truth in the world. Marriage is holy because it makes room for the gospel to be shown in the world. The church is holy. There are different things that are referred to as holy. The temple is holy. We are not dedicating a holy space today. This is just a building. That temple was unique. If you wanted to be around God, if you wanted to feel his presence, you wanted to feel the weight of his glory, you had to take the long trip to Jerusalem. In fact, in, in Old Testament times, three times a year, Devout Jews would make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem to be there to celebrate one of the feasts and they would all visit the temple and they would see the cloud, they'd see the fire and they would say to their children who were with them, see, that's where God lives. He's the God over all of the earth but God resides right here with us. It was amazing. Uh, that place is different as well because that's the place where true sacrifice had to be made. So Israelites would come, God's presence is there, it makes it holy, but the function and the, uh, the purposes of the people there made it special as well. They would come and they would offer sacrifice and they would worship. And so that place was so unique of all places that have ever existed, it was, it was incredible. Okay, so this building is not like that building. And God no longer lives in buildings built by human hands, but where does he live? He lives in the human heart, right? In the soul. And so the temples of God walked in the room today, and they walk into rooms all over the world on this Sunday, and they're meeting in homes, and they're, and they're everywhere. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tries to describe this. He says, as great as that moment was when God's glory fell, and it filled that temple, it, it's, it's limited. It's so small compared to what's actually taking place in your heart and soul right now, which is another thing I wish I could see. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says this, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. 
And if what was transitory came, and that's speaking of the temple, came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? You know, it lasts God living in a human heart. So we use our imagination to wonder, what is that like? God dwelling in a human soul. I think someday Jesus will let us see it when we're with him. So those are key distinctions. But it would be a mistake not to say that this is a special place. Because as Jean prayed, which was so, so appropriate, this is meant to be a home. And here's now the task for Cornerstone Church, and it's the same task we've had for, for um, every year of our existence, and that is to make this place, this building, this community, this name, a home for people. If you've ever moved, you know, you move into a new house, you call it your house, but it takes a while to turn it into a home. Isn't that right? To get the memories to do all those things. We now have the task of turning this place from a building into a home. Let me tell you about the character of the home that we want to build here. This will be a home or a house of prayer and a house of worship. Sabbath after Sabbath, Sabbath, week after week, people will return here to the posture of worship, the humble posture of worship, and we will be reminded that life is not about us. That there's a God that sits at the center of the universe. We'll be reminded that we're not in control and we will come and we will pray and we will worship and we will remind each other, remind ourselves, God will remind us that the best way to live is with God at the center. What will happen every moment of the day out, out in the world, you will be told you are the center of your universe and you are in control. Both of those things are lies. The best way to live is with God at the center on the throne. And so week after week, we will come and worship and we will pray. This will also be a, a home where we celebrate and teach the truth of God. I know this group still understands the importance of God's word being taught carefully and thoughtfully and respectfully, especially to people who don't understand it. So we're gonna teach God's truth. Throughout the building, it's being taught to all ages. It's amazing. It's not just in the building, it's in homes, it's in conversations, in coffee shops. Now, at the center of that truth is a single story that we call the gospel. It is the, it's the, the purest truth that we, any person could ever receive, and it changes their life. Now, I want to make a connection here to that pure truth, that pure gospel from our story. So 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 10, you guys can put it up behind me. It gives us this weird detail. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed there, at Horeb, where the, the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. So there's nothing in the ark except these tablets that was made in the covenant-making moment. It's like a wedding ceremony, okay? So this is how I want to describe it. <clears throat> the, the center of the world, from God's perspective, in this moment when this thing takes place, is the nation of Israel. And in the center of that nation sits a city named Jerusalem, the city of peace. And at the center of that city, the city of peace, is a temple. And at the center of that temple is a room called the Most Holy Place or the Holy of Holies. We read about it. And at the center, in the center of that Most Holy Place, that room, the most sacred room that has ever been made by human hands, is a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And if you've never seen it before, it's, the, it's really a box. It's a movable box with these elaborate angels over the top of it. Now, God's presence rested there, but we're told the only thing that's inside that ark are the tablets of the covenant. So, think of it this way. At the center of the center of the center of the center of everything 
including the way God relates to us, is a covenant. At the center of everything is a relationship. Not just any relationship, a relationship as all covenants are, forged in blood, God's involved, it's his idea. Covenants are purposeful in every way they create. But at the center of everything is a covenant. And in the center of the covenant, there is a promise. So God says to Israel, Israel, your choosing is irrevocable. I will always be with you. It's at the center of every covenant is unconditional forever type of love. Okay, so we think about ourselves today. What's the one thing that pulls us together, keeps us together? What's the center of the center of the center of Cornerstone Church? But a covenant. A covenant that we have with God because of Jesus Christ. The gospel. The gospel is the terms of that covenant. It's like the Ten Commandments sitting in there. It's the terms of it. And at the center of that covenant, that relationship are promises that Jesus makes. Remember when he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? Whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that was a promise. When he said, I'm leaving and I'm going to give you something better called the Holy Spirit, he kept that promise. Jesus makes lots of promises. He says, someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to judge the world and I'm going to set up my right kingdom and I'm going to right every wrong and we're all going to enjoy life the way it was meant to be created. That's a promise. So at the center of everything is this gospel covenant relationship and promise that God has given us. And so this church will be a church, a home that declares that. I mean, there's so many other things I could say about the type of home that we want this to be. Be a home of joy and hope. By the way, the reason that's possible is joy and hope both comes from relationships. Hope knowing that there's someone else greater than us that makes its way, his way through every wilderness, including death. That's where our hope comes from, through Jesus. And joy comes in the face of another person. Face to face with Jesus, face to face with one another. This is a house of joy. This is also a house of peace and shalom. The settled heart that's at rest, that's being made whole and healthy, a heart that can stand firm in the midst of the storms of life. That's what God Shalom does. This is a house of shalom. This is a house of purpose and sacrifice for others. We're a family that exists for those that are not a part of us. The, the Christian church is a really unique creature. I mean, we screw it up a lot of times, but at our core, we are a community that exists for those that are not a part of our community. That's amazing. We exist to honor someone else besides us. That's amazing. So that's the kind of house we want to have here. Let me mention a few people that are going to visit here, and then we'll let uh, the worship team come out. Uh, I have a friend. His name is Chris, and he now calls this his home. He grew up in South Boulder, and he's one of those really, really smart Boulder kids who went away to a great college and then moved back and got hired by one of these really, really great tech companies that are in Boulder. And after he moved back, he was here for a while, and uh, COVID hit, and lockdowns happened. It was hard to meet people, and he, he's at home like everyone else, and you just, you want to you have, so, have something that makes you smile during those moments, right? And he was looking for something uplifting, and so he was one of those people that went online and found us online and started watching our services, he was raised as an atheist, and so God was irrelevant in his life. Their family wasn't against God, he would describe, but you know, God's not relevant if he's not real. And so he begins to hear God's truth and see just stuff from a distance, watching through a screen. 
And when we opened up for in-person services, he showed up. And I met Chris one of those first Sundays that we, he was here, and we went and we had coffee together uh, a few days later. And I asked him, I said, why do you keep coming back? I heard a little bit of a story. I said, why would you come back? It's always a shock to me that people come to church, even though I love it. <laughs> really, I mean, I'm a pastor, but I love going to church, as long as I'm not preaching. <clears throat> and this is what he said. He said, I feel the energy of the people. Now, what he's describing is the Holy Spirit, God's glory in the room. He didn't have words for it yet, but he probably does now. He came to some of our visitor events. He was welcomed into a life group. That's now his home. This is his home. And I could tell you about so many other people. I have another friend that after a long road of recovery thought, you know, I need to have some other people in my life that can support me in my trying to stay sober. And so he, he came and this wasn't a home at first. And then he came to a group. We, went to, we had a 10-week group and we, we sat together and we talked about life. And, and eventually he made this his home and he got married. And now he has twin boys that, that visit our children's ministry every day or every Sunday. And, and this is their home. Or I think about my good friend Gabe and Shelby. They moved here from California many years ago. How many of you have made a big move in the last five years? There are a lot of people, okay? Man, making a move is lonely, right? So they show up, and their first Sunday here, they feel the authenticity of the people, the spirits in the room, they love the worship, and they say, this is home. And over the years, they've been here 16 years now, I know very few people who create home for people better than the Kinsleys. How many more people like that are going to come? Or how about students? we have any college students in here yet? They will be making their way in. College students? All right. You know, this is the first Sunday for new freshmen at CU. So in the months to come, there are going to be freshmen who make their way in here. Is there room for them? Is there room in our hearts? Is there room in this place? Is this a home for them? Uh, so this week, Elise and I had to do one of the hardest things we've ever done, and I'm not going to cry. <laughs> That's don't cry juice right there. I won't tell you what's in the cup. <clears throat> we dropped our son off out of school a couple states away, and we did one of the hardest things we've ever done. We had, we left. Uh, this church has been Cole's home his entire life. We've been here a long time, his entire life. And one of the things I told him last week is I say, hey, buddy, you now have a new home, which means you need to find a new church home. And right now, Cole is sitting in another church, and I'm hoping as a dad, there are people that will make room for him, that will invite him in. I'm hoping he experiences the presence of God, he hears the truth of God, that he can worship, that he can experience peace. But I hope there are people there that say, hey, welcome to our home, this is your home. And I told Cole, I said, once you find your place, you make it your home. You serve, you give, you pray, you show up. Over the years I've had countless numbers of parents, and I know this is true for Gene, that come up to us, they come and visit on a Sunday and they say, thank you for making this a place where my kids can call home. I look forward to someday to those pastors in Ames, Iowa saying thank you for making a home for my son. This is a special place if we make this building into a home. I could tell you about so many more people, but we don't have time. 
But think for a moment, too, about our middle school and high school students. You think the adult world is dehumanizing and stressful and mean? Try being a middle schooler. That place is a version of hell sometimes. I'm not joking. They're awful to each other. They get to come here and be themselves. Let their guard down. Discover who they are. Same with our high school students. It's amazing. So my question to you as we celebrate and dedicate this place is, will you make this your home? Will you make this a home for others as well? All right, worship team, you guys can come up. And I I want to do something I've looked forward to doing for several years now since we we, uh, dreamed about this project. I've been in 1 Kings chapter 8 and 2 Chronicles 6 many times over the last few years. And they dedicate the space. In 2 Chronicles 6 verse 3, right after the passage we read, it says, while the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned and he blessed them. And so I've been looking forward to blessing you in this space. And so I'd like to do that. So let's stand together. And you know, it means something to Brian when he scribbles it on paper and it doesn't make it to his iPad. <laughs> let's open your hands. It's posture of receiving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father God, today we are grateful and we thank you for being here with us. And today I'd like to bless the covenant people of Cornerstone Church and all those in the future that will call this their home. I bless them with a greater assurance of your presence that is always with with them. I bless them with a greater assurance of your love for them. I bless them with a greater assurance of who they are, that they belong to you. They are sons and daughters. I bless Cornerstone Church today on this special milestone with an increase of faith. I bless Cornerstone Church with an increase of faithful obedience towards you and your word. I bless our church with an increase of hope, with an increase of love for one another, for their neighbor, and even their enemies. God, may you use this place and these people to fill this world with more of your peace and more of your joy, more of your love, more of your courage and truth and your glory. Lord, we pray and we ask that your glory would fall and that it would be taken from this place into all the places that everyone goes. Use this church for 20 more years. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good day.